First City Focus is supported in part by Good Samaritan, a regional health care center offering a variety of services from primary care to same-day joint replacement surgery and more. Good Samaritan, online at gshvin.org. Duke Energy, powering the lives of its customers and communities, online at dukeenergy.com. And by Vincent's PBS members. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to First City Focus. I'm your host, Nicole Carey. On this episode, an organization has opened up a Vincent Center to help those diagnosed with autism. We'll find out what resources are available. Disc golf is growing in popularity, and the effort to create a space to play the sport in Knox County is taking off. We'll show you where. And the Purdue Extension Office in Knox County is continuing its mission to provide educational resources in a number of areas. We'll tell you what's coming up over the next few months. We have these stories and more right now on First City Focus. According to the CDC, today one in every 44 children in the U.S. is diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. What once was considered a rare diagnosis is now more common, and almost all of us know a loved one living somewhere within the spectrum. In Vincennes, a newly opened center is dedicated to helping those living with an autism diagnosis. It's the Applied Behavior Center for Autism, and the president of the organization, Kyle Quinn, and board-certified behavior analyst, Erica Windham, join me now. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Uh, the Applied Behavior Center for Autism started in Indiana more than 25 years ago. How did this organization come to be? Sure, so my mother actually in, uh, started the center for my brother who has severe autism and is 29 years old now. So he was four, three or four at the time. Mm -hmm. And she knew that there had to be something out there for kids with autism. As you mentioned, it was much less common back then. Mm -hmm. So my mother began swim lessons in the backyard of her house, wow. utilizing the science of applied behavior analysis that we still use today in order to teach kids how to follow directions, increase their language, increase their social skills, and even reduce some problematic behavior that they exhibit. Okay, and how many centers do you have now across the state? Sure, we have 12 centers here in Indiana, um, including in Terre Haute and now open in Vincennes. And that's why I was going to, my next question, what made you want to come here to Vincennes? Absolutely. We saw a big need in the community where people were having to go to either Terre Haute or Evansville to get services, and we knew there wasn't another provider within an hour of here. I say you opened uh, beginning of January. Mm -hmm. How has response been, Erica? The response has been absolutely amazing. We've had several families come in to inquire services. We've actually already started um, two patients, and we are just so excited. I've had educators inquire, uh, fellow uh, collaborators such as nurse practitioners and other uh, providers in this uh, community. Okay. Um, of course, getting started, uh, some parents might be wondering about their child, uh, noticing certain different signs that they might uh, be suspicious if there may be um, an autism diagnosis needed. How can they go about seeking out that diagnosis? Well, we always recommend that they talk to their family, you know, medical practitioner first. And 
We do diagnostic testing as well. Um, you can always go onto our website or give us a call and we'd be happy to walk you through that process. And it's a very easy process as far as getting started. It's right there on our webpage. Okay. Um, now, as you mentioned, Eric, the center is based on applied behavior analysis therapy. Um, can either of you explain the basis of this therapy and how it's utilized? Sure, so applied behavior analysis is a type of behavioral psychology created by B.F. Skinner in the 1930s originally. Mm -hmm. It's evolved a lot over the decades into the science that it is today. And applied behavior analysis is essentially great teaching and therapy for kids that uses things like prompting and reinforcement in order to teach them and improve skills in language, social skills, uh, daily living skills, and then reducing problematic behavior as well. Okay. Um, someone who is looking into the center when they come in for the first time, what are they going to see? Uh, they're going to see very colorful rooms, very a lot of play items. They're going to see that we are set up to serve classroom needs. We have individual therapy rooms. We have a large inside gym, uh, a large outside playground that's getting ready to be put in. And that's really the beauty of ABA is that we can really do things in a bunch of different settings to address whatever that individual needs. Okay, and I know um, it will be specific to what each child needs, but take me through a basic therapy session um, that a child may go through. How, how does it um, unfold and do the parents, caregivers get to observe? So each day is really uh, it's individualized to every single patient that comes in our doors. We have a set program that is uh, designated and programmed by the behavior analyst mm -hmm. that our registered behavior technicians then implement. Uh, the behavior analysts and the uh, RBTs work together to do those programs throughout the day in many different settings. We work again on communication, daily living skills, reducing problematic behavior, and classroom skills, because eventually these children will transition to another setting. Mm -hmm. So while we have them, we wanna really work intensively on addressing their needs. The parents uh, are very involved. We have a very strong parent training curriculum throughout our company. It's very important that our parents are involved because we want them to learn the things that are working well that we're doing throughout mm -hmm. the center and be able to implement that in their daily life at home. Okay. What does progress look like for a child that's enrolled in services through the center? It can look different for uh, each student, but what we're really trying to do is just meet that individual where they're at, identify those goals, and then work towards accomplishing that through different types of programming um, and different supports. Okay. Um, and there are other services that your center offers as well. Yeah, so we offer diagnostic testing, as Erica mentioned earlier. That's done at one of our locations in Indianapolis, but it's a one-time appointment, thankfully. Mm -hmm. So not too much travel for people. And then we offer speech therapy and occupational therapy as well um, that blends with our ABA therapy to really support the individual child as a whole. Um, and do most insurance providers help cover uh, the costs of this therapy? So majority of them do, and we're in network with pretty much all the major insurance companies as well as all the Medicaid networks here in Indiana. Okay. Um, I guess just to take us back, if someone at home watching this thinks that maybe I need to reach out, what are some of the signs of autism that a parent can be on the lookout for um, to know whether they need to reach out for some care? 
So there are language and speech delays. Um, there are what are called stereotypic and repetitive behaviors. So mm -hmm. lining up toys over and over again, um, hand flapping, rocking back and forth. And then there are usually deficits in the social skills area as well. So when children are around other children, they shy away from them potentially or avoid them totally. Okay. Um, I'm sure often you come across parents who feel very alone in this journey. Mm -hmm. um, how, how can you help them kind of navigate through and let them know that they're not alone? I think the basis of our parent communication is that we're, we're a team together. We're going to walk this journey with you. We're going to give you resources that can make your everyday life better. Um, we are going to work on strategies for the parents to learn, not only mm -hmm. um, just the parents, but even caregivers of, in the family, you know, uh, that work with that child and work with them in the school setting as well and really try to hit all areas of their life. Okay. If someone would like to learn more or come in and tour the center, how can they go about that? Sure. So you can visit our website at appliedbehaviorcenter.org and schedule a tour with our enrollment staff. You're welcome to call us as well, and we're happy to answer any questions that you might have about our services. Okay, all right. Well, thank you so much for being here thank today. You thank much. you very much. To learn more about the Vincent's Applied Behavior Center for Autism, you can head on over to our website, vincentspbs.org. Some might think the sport of disc golf as relatively new. However, reports of the game date back as far as 1926. As its popularity seems to be growing today, so does the effort in Knox County to create a space to enjoy the sport. As Hunter Van Houten explains, disc golf enthusiasts will soon have a new 18-hole course to enjoy. There's a common phrase in Knox County, there's nothing to do. Well, two local residents are looking to change that. Meet Austin Sievers and Tyler Sanders. They're the two course designers spearheading the new disc golf course in the area. Both Sanders and Sievers have been playing the game for several years now. Sievers first got into the game when he was a student at St. Mary of the Woods College. I got into disc golf about five years ago now. Uh, I was a student at St. Mary of the Woods College in Terre Haute, and uh, we lived about a mile away from uh, Dimming Park, which is the course I got started in. Had a couple buddies that told me they were going to go play disc golf one day and had no idea what it was. Thought, you know, might as well give it a shot, and uh, yeah, fell in love with it right then and there, and Disc golf is played like traditional golf, but with disc golf discs instead of balls and clubs. One throw is counted each time the disc is thrown and when a penalty is incurred. The goal is to play each hole in the fewest strokes possible. The player with the lowest total strokes for the entire course wins. A form of disc golf was first played in Bladeworth, Saskatchewan in 1926, according to Ontario Disc Sports. A group of school-aged kids played a game with tin lids, which they dubbed Tin Lid Golf. Fast forward to the 1970s in Rochester, New York, where the first American Flying Disc Open took place. The event was a hit and caught the attention of Whammo executive Ed Hambrick, who soon left the company to start the Disc Golf Association Company in 1976. Sanders enjoys the competition Disc Golf brings while still being a laid-back game. The new 18-hole course will be located at Camp Arthur in Bruceville. Seaver says they chose the location because the landscape could fit a tournament-level course. So we know we wanted to bring a full 18-hole course to Knox County, and 
I've known about Camp Arthur ever since I was a little kid. I've been coming here and fishing my whole life and knew that it would, uh, it had the landscape to fit a tournament level course. Um, so we reached out to the, the board of directors back in May, I think, and just kind of brought up the idea to them as an additional income stream. And they said, you know, why don't you go ahead and design a temporary course, run a couple events, get some feedback and we'll go from there. The course features a mixture of holes with open fields, water hazards, and some in the woods. Sanders thinks it's a good mix that allows beginners and pros to enjoy the course. So Camp Arthur presents a very unique opportunity. Um, it has a little bit of everything. Um, none of the holes here are super long, which is nice. We do have some challenging holes on the back nine. Um, we get pretty wooded. Um, so our signature hole right now is hole number 16. It's about a 400-foot tunnel shot. It's dead straight. You've got probably a 20-foot, 20 25-foot fairway that you have to navigate surrounded by trees. Um, but other than that, the front nine is all pretty open. Um, as Austin mentioned earlier, we do have two holes around water. Um, none of those are water carry. Um, so you can play super conservative and stay away from the water. Or if you're a more advanced player, you know, you can bring the water into play a little bit and be more aggressive. Right now, every hole will be a par three, but Sanders says further down the road after people have played the course, they may extend a few holes into par fours. The course will have concrete tee pads, new disc golf baskets, a map of the course, and sponsors at each hole. President of the board at Camp Arthur, Robin Overby, says he's surprised how big a community disc golfers have. He says he hopes this will bring people back to Camp Arthur. Come back. Welcome back. You know, this, this was a mainstay in the community uh, for years, and it kind of fell to the wayside and people had forgotten about it. And now we're bringing this back up to where it's a good, uh, a good benefit to the county and to the community. To make this project a reality, Sanders says they are offering sponsorships for each hole and accepting donations towards their goal. Right now, they have five hole sponsors currently, but aim to have 18 to totally fund the course. The total cost of the project comes out to just over $10,000. Sanders is thankful for the donations they have already received from the community and can't wait until the course opens in the beginning of spring. We are very thankful for all the feedback we've got about the course. Um, we've had several people within the community reach out to us about donations. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. Um, and this isn't just a project for this community. Um, we have some people from the Evansville area who have been down to play the course multiple times since the uh, tournament that we had. So this is a, this is a statewide project. Um, it's going to bring a lot of people from out of state in um, and all over the place. And we, we look very forward to bringing the first 18-hole course to Knox County. For those saying there's nothing to do in Knox County, try your hand at disc golf this spring. For First City Focus, I'm Hunter Van Houten. To find out how you can get involved with the local disc golf effort or to make a donation, just go to our website, vincenspbs.org. Each year, the Knox County Purdue Extension works hard to educate the community on a variety of topics, and this year is not any different. Here to update us on the latest education offerings is Senior Extension Educator Tanya Short. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, first off, just in case there's anyone out there who might not uh, be aware of what the Purdue Extension Agency offers, what is its mission to our community? Our mission is to provide a link between our land-grant institution, which is Purdue University in the state of Indiana, and our local communities. And so we have an office in every county in the state of Indiana, and we provide most folks are most 
most associate the extension office with 4-H and youth development. Mm -hmm. That is one arm out of four. So we also have agriculture and natural resources, community development, as well as health and human sciences, which is where my program area falls. That's right. And you are a busy lady. Oh, my goodness. Um, there's always something being <laughs> offered uh, to help educate the community on a variety of topics. Um, and thanks to technology, uh, between webinars and in-person, there are plenty of offerings you're planning over the next few months. Absolutely. And so during the pandemic, we really did a lot of virtual programming and it was so well received. I still have folks reach out to me and say, are you going to do more of those? So I sent out a survey. I said, what do you want to hear about? And we've got a few scheduled. Yeah. So uh, starting off, um, grant writing. There are many folks in this community, small businesses, different organizations who may not feel confident in the ability to seek out grants and you guys are there to help kind of lead them down the path. So one of the, I want to back up and say one of the great things about Extension is that when it's not necessarily something that I would call myself an expert in, mm -hmm. I can bring in the experts. And so this is one of those cases. And so, yes, grant writing is really intimidating and I think unnecessarily so. Mm -hmm. And so we want to provide some tools to folks so they can feel more confident in approaching those grants. Um, and we're going to do, like you said, First, a webinar to give folks just a little bit of a taste. And then later on, we're going to have a more in-depth two-day workshop where they can actually develop a proposal and have it reviewed. And that first webinar is happening on January 31st. Yes. And folks need to sign up ahead of time? Well, they simply need to register so they get the link to connect. There is no fee, so you just need the Zoom link. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so then that's the first step. And then you have the two-day workshop. What are, what are they going to learn? Right. So the first day, and these are two full days, they, the first day we're going to learn the ins and outs of a basic grant proposal. What are the pieces? What are the pieces that need to go into that? What kind of information do you have need to have ready? What are common mistakes that folks mm -hmm. made? And then you're going to walk away with some homework, okay? Identify a grant that you've been dreaming of writing. Yeah. Maybe you already have something in mind. Maybe it's a dream that you haven't yet uh, pursued yet. And spend the next four to five weeks putting that together, bringing back a finished product to actually be reviewed by your peers and by professional grant writers. Okay. Um, so plenty of offerings there for professionals uh -huh. who might be seeking out grants. Um, another important one, I, I really do feel it's a, it's a great offering, uh, February 2nd. Helping Youth Build a Path to Resilience. It's being offered as a webinar. Um, what a great subject for parents and caregivers. Yes, and this is something I hear about so much. And so Mitch Wagner in my office, who is the 4-H and Youth Development Educator, is actually going to be the presenter for that one. And he and I both hear so frequently, we just... We need to feel a little support. Parents just want a little support. Maybe they're doing the best they can, but they just mm -hmm. need like that little, you've got this. And so we want to give folks some tools so they can either feel affirmed that, yes, I've got this, or maybe here's a new tip that I can try at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and coming up in March, I was also very intrigued by this one because uh -huh. I feel like it's a lost art. Canning. Oh, Pressure yes. canning. Yes. Um, I know... My grandparents, my mom, they would can. There would be periods of, of time. But I think a lot of folks just don't even know where to start, especially as prices rise at the grocery. Mm -hmm. Have you mm -hmm. seen interest uh, 
peak up with this? There has. Actually, the pandemic, believe it or not, is what spurred it. And so um, a lot of folks want to do it, but maybe they're a little scared, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to pressure canning. This particular um, segment is going to be on pressure canning, mm -hmm. which that scares a lot of people. So we're going to go in. We're going to talk about it from like kind of that cognitive academic knowledge. Mm -hmm. This is how it works. But then we're going to go into the kitchen and actually do it. So they've had a chance to touch the equipment, see how it actually works, and then actually go home with a jar of something they helped can. And hopefully inspire them to continue on yeah. at home. And some resources to make sure that they uh, can feel confident that they are following procedures because it is a food safety thing yeah. too. Yeah, that is great. That is great. And speaking of food safety, ServeSafe is also a program cool. that you guys administer. Who benefits from this program? So there is two different levels of ServeSafe. One is ServeSafe Manager, which is for folks who are the kitchen manager in a food establishment. Mm -hmm. So think a school cafeteria or a restaurant. Um, and that is, um, I'm going to call a, a more intense level of certification. Mm -hmm. And then there's food handler. And that's for home-based vendors who just sell, like, at a farmer's market. They have, uh, they're not using any, like, um, they're not selling what would be called potentially hazardous food. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, no eggs, milk, dairy, that kind of thing. Um, and so both of these, I'm going to air quote certifications, they actually have their own fancy title, but mm -hmm. anyway... Um, are for the protection of our food service workforce. And so that's why they are in place. And I do offer both of those programs here in Knox County. Okay. Um, and then I know a topic that is very sensitive to a lot of folks affected by cancer, um, supporting a loved one with cancer. That's happening on March 9th. Right. Yeah. So that's another webinar. And a colleague of mine who is a licensed clinician um, who has her own experiences to share here is going to just give some tips on really it doesn't have to be a loved one with cancer. It could be a loved one with any sort of situation that you're trying to support mm -hmm. them. Right. How do you approach someone, whether you are in the same town next door or living in another state? There are things that we can do and approaches that we can take that can help that person regardless of, of how close we are physically to them and being able to provide that support. Okay. Yeah. Um, like we said, you're very busy. And, and there will be more throughout the year. Yes. Um, anyone interested, then go online and see your offerings? Absolutely. So there's two places online they can look. One is our um, website, which is extension.purdue.edu slash Knox, or just ask the internet for Purdue Extension Knox mm -hmm. County. That's easier. Or they can visit me on Facebook, and my handle is Knox County HHS. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Tanya, for thank being you here so today. Much. For the complete list of program offerings and more information about the Knox County Purdue Extension, you can also head over to our website, vincentspbs.org. And now for our final focus. Tucked away in the Hoosier National Forest is a box canyon known for its beautiful hiking atmosphere. Hemlock Cliffs is a cool climate sandstone rock formation with seasonal waterfalls and unique trees and plants. Archaeological excavations have shown that Native Americans inhabited the area as early as 10,000 years ago, as the head of the canyon undoubtedly provided shelter in this area. Photojournalist Dave Novak shows us that even during the winter months, this spot is a southern Indiana jewel.
And that's all for this edition of First City Focus. For everyone here at Vincent's PBS, I'm Nicole Carey. Join us again next week. First City Focus is supported in part by Good Samaritan, a regional health care center offering a variety of services from primary care to same-day joint replacement surgery and more. Good Samaritan, online at gshvin.org. Duke Energy, powering the lives of its customers and communities, online at dukeenergy.com. And by Vincent's PBS members. Thank you.